Welcome to the Bella Sad Bellum Podcast, the podcast for military-connected women, bringing messages of encouragement, humor, and practical how-to on topics that impact their lives most, equipping them to lead in the service and in the home with grace and wisdom. We care deeply about sharing accurate, timely, and relevant information with our listeners, but neither we nor our guests have a monopoly on truth and everyone's military experience is unique. The views expressed in any of our content, written or audio, do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, policy, or view. Welcome to another episode of Bella Said Bellum. This is Julie. And Bernadette. And today we have a special guest, uh, Airman Mill Dollar, who we will refer to as Mill Dollar. And today we are going to be talking about the topic of retirement planning. And I just want to say right from the get-go that I am really excited about this episode. Our guest is hugely smart in this area, and she runs actually a blog for military members who are interested in financial independence and early retirement. And I'm going to turn it over to her to talk a little bit about her online presence and the work that she does in this particular field so that you guys can understand how much she knows about this subject. Uh, not, that that's, not that that's intimidating for you. Yeah, not at all. Um, <laughs> so uh, thank you, Julie and Bernadette, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So yeah, I run a blog. It's called militarydollar.com. And when I'm posting, I have one day that is dedicated just to military topics. So I talk about like the savings plan and the blended retirement system and what the basic allowance for subsistence actually is, because it's just kind of this thing that shows up in everybody's paycheck and nobody really understands it. And just all the little things that involve our compensation that people may not fully understand. And then during the rest of the time, I just have a normal personal finance blog. So I talk about retirement planning and saving on travel and credit card hacking and how to invest and just all sorts of different topics. Yeah. Um, I do want to give a quick disclaimer that I do before every podcast interview. So I'll do that right now. Uh, the opinions I express are mine and not necessarily those of the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or the United States government. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. We know that you're... Well, I would know, I know that you're a, uh, for me, a god of the internet when it comes to military finances. And so um, <laughs> yes. before, before we jump into our first question, just for any guests who aren't familiar, what's your kind of your military affiliation? You don't have to go into a lot of details, but you know, are you active duty and what's kind of your background, if you will, in the military as time and service goes? Sure. Um, I am an active duty Air Force officer. I have been in for 14 years. I've been active duty that whole time. Um, I commissioned through Air Force ROTC, and I don't really discuss what my job is, but yeah, I have absolutely. an awesomely cool job, and I love <laughs> my military career. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah, thanks for that. Do you have, as any part of your military job, did you get uh, any training or acquire any skills through the military? Or did you get interested in this field just because it's something that interests you personally and you went and sought out all of that education and knowledge that you have now? Yeah, I'm 100% self-trained when it comes to military personal finance. I am not a finance officer. I haven't gone to any of the schools. It's something that started interesting me in college. And I knew as soon as I entered the military that I didn't ever want to do anything else. So I started trying to figure out how I could retire as soon as the military was done with me, mm, yeah. no matter what age that was. So that's why I've gotten into it is just 
really wanting to understand the system, especially because, of course, everybody has trouble with finance. It doesn't yeah. matter who you are, you're going to have trouble at some time. So I wanted to be able to answer those questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that dovetails really well with one of the guest interviews that we had recently with an AFPC assignments officer, uh, and he was talking about, hey, you need to have plans after the military, and you need to be thinking that far out. And so when you think about your assignments, you actually need to work, he, he called it, target back. So you need to know what your long-term goals are, and you need to work backwards uh, in your assignments. But it really got me thinking, too, he was talking about, you know, making sure that you don't throw everything else to the side in pursuit of your Air Force career, because at the end of 20-ish years, there is something beyond the military for you. And I think retirement is a big part of that. It's not just about getting to 20. In fact, there's a lot of us that aren't going to get to 20. And so you need to have a plan for um, your life and your finances beyond that. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people when they're young and they're entering the military think that that's so far off, but it's really not. It tends to go very quickly. I mean, the last 14 years, I still remember exactly how I felt as a brand new lieutenant and yeah. things that we were doing every day. So it really <laughs> does go very fast. I know. I remember, I feel the same oh way my myself. Goodness. I always, I always wonder to, you know, my peers, like, when did we get old? <laughs> Oh, we're not. Yeah. Right? He didn't. It didn't. No. When did that sneak? When did that sneak up? Right. And I look at the young lieutenants now, and it's uh, just I feel. I feel old, even if I don't. No, no. I but. don't feel old. I just feel like everybody else keeps getting younger and younger. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's a good way to look at it. We're not old. They're just yeah. all young. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, mill dollar. So kind of getting into the conversation, you hit on it a little bit already. But why is you know planning for retirement? a relevant and important topic for military members from the, you know, youngest airman or soldier to, you know, anybody who's kind of further along in their career? Sure. There is a very famous saying that says that there are only two things that are certain in life, and that's death or taxes. Um, <laughs> I would say that unless you die young, retirement is the other one. Mm. Because most people, especially as medical advances, are, you know, delaying death of people. Uh, we're living a lot longer, but that doesn't mean we're going to continue working until we're mm. 90 years old. Mm -hmm. um, so the vast majority of people are going to retire. So you need to be planning for that. And, and, and also it kind of helps you with your death planning and your taxes. So retirement planning helps with those other two that you know you're <laughs> not going to yeah. So if you accept that retirement is going to be inevitable for almost all of us, then you should be planning for it because you don't want to end up at retirement age looking around going, oh, wait, how am I going to make this work? Mm -hmm. Social security alone is probably not going to do it for you. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So where, where would a military member start if they want oh. to start saving for retirement? Hey, let me jump in here real quick, if you don't mind, Bernadette. So my brother is a senior airman, I think, in the National Guard. He just promoted that's why I can't, can't be sure. Um, and I was having a conversation with him the other day where I said, hey, you know, what are you doing for retirement? And was shocked, shocked, I say, to find out that he had not 
thought about it at all. He had no idea. And in fact, the comment he made to me was, hey, I wish I had taken some classes in high school or, you know, somebody had taught me about some of these things. Uh, and I thought, man, this would be a great question to ask Mill Dollar. Let's pretend you have zero knowledge. Let's you're not maybe a Dave Ramsey person. Like you're not seriously in debt. You're you're balanced out. You don't have to do a lot of debt control, but you're also not full speed. You know, some of the folks in in the military fire group that we see that have actually written books on this. Let's say you're middle of the road. Where do you start? Okay. Um, what do I tell my, like, how do I get my brother up to speed? Sure. Um, so I'm going to give kind of the foo-foo answer and then I'm going to give like the more concrete actionable step answer. So my foo-foo answer is that everybody should be starting by actually thinking about what they want. So many people just follow financial advice and just kind of drift along, not doing too bad, but they don't really know why they're doing the things that they're doing. They know an emergency fund is important, but not when to use it. They know that retirement planning is happening in the background, but they have no idea when they're going to retire or what kind of life they're going to retire to. So I would say, look at what you want to achieve. Do you want to be rich or do you want to be comfortable and stop working once you reach comfortable? Do you just want to get out of debt? Like, what is it you are aiming to do is the first thing I would say. Then after that is where I would go to more of those actionable steps. And which actionable step you do is going to depend on what your goals are and what your starting status is. But it's going to be things like if you do have debt, you need to be deciding whether you're going to do a debt snowball or a debt avalanche. But which, what is your actual plan for getting out of debt? If it's that you want to save up money for a Porsche or Porsche, if I'm going to get yelled at for pronouncing it wrong, <laughs> how much money do you need and how much money are you going to put aside every single month to do that? What are you going to do every time you get a raise? I've had a lot of conversations with people in the military who complain that we don't get a lot of raises. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting one to three raises per year just because you have your annual raise that everybody gets. You have your longevity raises and you have promotion raises. So that's at mm-hmm. least three, that's up to three times a year. I'm getting more money. Yeah. I have a plan. I have had a plan in place 14 years ago for what I'm going to do for every single one of those raises and how it's going to get me to my end goal. Those are the kinds of things that people need to be doing. When you say you have a plan, I mean, uh, and I'm not asking you to go into the personal details, but you mean like specific plan, not just, oh, I'm going to save every raise. It's, this is what I'm going to do with those raises specifically. Yes. So that's where you get to learn about some of my real nerdiness. So the general plan is for every single raise that I've gotten in the military, every single time, I automatically say that 50% has to be used for increasing my net worth. So that might be that it's going into retirement planning or it might be to buy a house or something like that. So I automatically set that aside. I then look at my budget and see where I actually need to increase my standard of living to pay for things. And then if there's anything left over, that also goes to increasing my net worth. And I plan out by about 18 months in advance when I'm going to be receiving those raises and what I'm going to do with them. So I already have my 2019 budget written and I've had it written for I'm going to say like eight or nine months now, oh even gosh. though it's 
Yeah, See, it's only I am not worthy. I am not worthy. I am not worthy. That's why I said you're the god of the internet for me. <laughs> the military I'm, finance. I'm like, I nerd. look. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this a year that I get uh, a raise? Oh yeah, I think this is an even year, right? I get a raise this year, right? No, I'm not thinking a year out. I love my budget. I love my spreadsheet budget. And I am all about my spreadsheet budget, but I am not thinking about raises. Wow, that is so impressive. And of course, I can't know exact dollar amounts, right? We don't yet know exactly how much we're going to be paid in 2019. But I can make an approximation Basically, I'm making all of my decisions with a clear head so that in the moment when I actually get the money, I don't have to make a decision where I might be led by my heart. I can, everything's already written out and I just implement what I had already planned. Yeah. How much of your plan is based off of what you want to do in retirement? So you had talked about what do you want to do? You don't want to work all the way until you die. But how much of that retirement planning that you do is based off of the particular activities that you want to do in retirement? For example, my goal in retirement is to travel a lot. And I know that that is going to mean that I need to have a healthier retirement fund to allow me to go do some crazy travel. Or let's say you wanted to retire to someplace in a really big house in a, in a state that has a higher cost of living. Can you talk about how those activities that you want to do in retirement drive your planning? Sure. So for me, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do because I also have a lot of things that I want to do. There are definitely going to be some years where I spend a lot less and there are years where I'm going to spend a lot more. So for instance, I really want to hike the Appalachian Trail. That takes Mm. about half a year. So for approximately six months, I'm not going to spend very much money a, a large budget on the Appalachian Trail in current dollars is like $1,500 a month. So that will be a cheap year. Alternatively, I want to also do things like live in Tokyo or Paris. Oh, and, my goodness. <laughs> in, a, in an apartment downtown, and that's going to be a lot more expensive. Because of that, and also just because I really try to control my expenses now, I am retirement planning as if I am going to live a much more spendy lifestyle than I think I actually will. I'm a very conservative planner, so I'm always planning as if I'm going to live the more expensive lifestyle, even though I know for sure that I'm probably not. I I know for sure that I'm probably not going to spend that much. (laughs) That makes sense to me. (laughs) Well, so to, to back up and maybe get a little bit simpler, thinking of Julie's brother or somebody who's not necessarily thinking, you know, super long term or it doesn't have specific goals pinned out aside from, hey, starting to write down their goals and looking specifically at their raises. If a military member wants to start saving for retirement, where would they start or who could they start talking to or or what should they maybe do first for like the young folks out there? Okay, there's two parts to that. So the who should they talk to? There's this really great program in the military that it seems like a lot of people are not very knowledgeable about where the military will pay for anybody who wants to, to go to free financial planning. Um, So if they don't have any idea what they want to do, they can go do that absolutely for free. So that would be a great place to start. The military also will sometimes, not always, you have to ask at your particular base, 
but they will allow you to go to classes like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. So I've been a class coordinator for those on base a couple of times. And again, it's free or at some bases it's not free. You still have to pay, but it's, it's not too expensive for how much it sets you up in life. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Is that's where you're going to go and you're going to learn how to budget and you're going to learn how to invest and you're going to learn how to buy a house. Most bases have classes and all of those things that you can go to for free. Are those run through the education center? They're usually run for the Air Force. It's the Airmen and Family Readiness Center. So oh, okay. the different services, it'll call a different name, but it's, it's that function, the, the function that helps family is where you go for that. Uh, and then the second part of that is you ask, like, what do they need to be thinking about right now? So I do want to bring up the blended retirement system. Um, oh, man. Yeah, we, no, no, that's great. We have limited time for the blended retirement system opt-in period. So if anybody right now is looking at what they should be doing, and if they are eligible to sign up for the blended retirement system, I think it's the most important retirement decision that most of the people in the military are going to make this year. For some people, it's the most important decision, period, that they're going to make this year. But unfortunately, there's a lot of bad info being spread. Uh So I really recommend instead of just doing the computer-based training, I think people need to go out and really find good information on this. And I don't want to insult the Department of Defense. They actually have good training on it, but it's good training if you already have a baseline knowledge in personal finance. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You have to understand what is being told to you to really get a lot of value out of their training. So what a lot of the military personal finance bloggers have done is we've tried to break it down in a more simple package that really explains the pros and cons. Because I see a lot of people who are being given bad information about the blended retirement system because their friends don't understand it. So then their friends tell them something, so then they don't understand it, and then they pass the same bad information along, and that's not good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the yeah the blended retirement system or BRS, uh, we'll put some links in our show notes about that, and um, just a, a shameless plug for Mill Dollar. Uh, she's got a, you've got a lot of great posts yes. and and discussion about that specific topic that really breaks it down for folks who are just making that decision, thinking about it, you know, don't know a lot of the retirement words or, or concepts. So your um, so. posts were where I went to get real information. Cause I did that computer-based training because I had to, but you're exactly right. Like if I didn't already know the difference between the different TSP funds and 401k matching, it really didn't help me gain any knowledge. I feel like your posts really broke down a lot of that information and got to the things that I, I really need to make a decision about this aspect versus, hey, here's a 30,000 foot view of BRS. Well, that is great to hear. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that it's being used in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So as folks get started down the road of retirement, are there any other important steps that they should consider shortly thereafter besides blended retirement system and you know, maybe initial financial planning. Uh, is there anything else that you would recommend kind of on the starting road or in the early times of uh, financial planning for retirement? Yeah. So regardless of whether or not they sign up for blended retirement system, um, I do think everybody in the military should sign up for the thrift saving plan, the TSP. It is an amazing retirement account. Um, it is the envy of civilians everywhere because <laughs> we have good simple choices to make 
they're almost across the board good choices. And our fees are rock bottom compared to some of my friends. It, it depends on how much money you have in your TSP. But say your account balance is $100,000. Let me do some quick math right now. Oh my gosh, you're, um, you're blowing amazing. me away here. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I believe the current rate right now is point zero zero three six percent for the TSP or something like that. It's really, really low. It'll cost a few hundred dollars. If you have $100,000 in your TSP, it'll cost a few hundred dollars per month to keep that account. In the civilian world, it's often more like 1%. So it might cost them $1,000 for the same thing that cost us $300 or $360. That's great. And people undervalue the importance of only having a few limited investment options. They They see that as a negative. But the fact of the matter is a lot of civilians, when they're presented with 50 different options to choose from in what to invest in, they just put it off for months and months and months because they don't know what to choose. Um, So that's that's nice that they only give us a handful of options to choose from. And if you sign up and you don't make an option or make a selection, they will do it for you. Mm. So that's really good. They used to automatically put your money into the G fund. G oh, yeah. But it's very safe in an economic downturn, but that's about it. It is. And the reason they did that was because military tends to be very conservative. And so people liked that safety. They liked that they were never going to lose money, but they also weren't making very much money. Starting in 2018, if you open up a new account, you will be defaulted into one of the life cycle funds. Yeah. Yes. So it's still not perfect because the life cycle funds are more conservative than many people need them to be, but it's much better than nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's not bad. If if somebody's listening, log into your TSP, find (laughs) out where your money is planted. And if you've been investing for years and you notice it's all in the G fund, switch it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to tell my brother too, Hey, you need to just, you just need to get started. Like there are a lot of options out there. I get it. There's so many different mutual funds and investment companies and, but you need to do something because the longer you wait, you lose out on all that compounding interest. And that's one of the great things that you were just saying about TSP. Here are four options or, or really you don't even have to pick. They'll do it for you. And you, you at least got started and that money is there and it'll start compounding. Yes, there is a thing called time in the market, not timing the market. And what that's talking about is the more time you can have your money in the market is better. Like if you can have it in for 10 years, that is better than having it in for nine years, but having it more optimally invested. You want longer time. Having the perfect investment is not as important as just getting the money in. So start. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Another account people should consider is opening up what's called an individual retirement arrangement. A lot of people think it's account, but it's actually arrangement, more commonly known as an IRA. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go for Roth IRAs, and we'll talk in a moment about Roth versus traditional, but just an IRA in general, it allows you to invest more money outside of your paycheck. So thrift savings plan is all from within your paycheck. You can only fund it via your paycheck other than doing rollover. An IRA, you can fund with other money. The nice thing about an IRA, but also, as we were just talking about, maybe not such a nice thing, is that you do have more investment options. 
If you have something in particular that you want to invest in, a particular fund, or even in some IRAs, you can invest like in real estate, that allows you that option outside of the thrift savings plan. So you can put more money aside. And then the really thing that I like about Roth IRAs specifically is with most retirement accounts, there are rules about how soon you can take your money out without paying a penalty. Now, Mm -hmm. all of those rules have loopholes, so don't get tied up in them. But with a Roth IRA specifically, any money that you put in, so your contribution specifically, can be taken back out at any time penalty-free. So if you have an emergency, you could take them out. Don't take them out to buy a boat. (laughs) (laughs) But if you've had like, if you had a medical emergency or you lost your job or something like that, it could be used as an emergency fund. Or if you retire early, the way that I plan to do, I plan to retire much younger than normal retirement age. I can take my contributions out of my Roth IRA with no penalty whatsoever. Yeah, it's awesome. So tax treatment, Roth versus traditional. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a great question and I think really not well understood. So there's two tax treatments out there. Traditional means that you do not pay taxes right now. So if your income is $40,000 per year and you put $5,000 per year into a traditional account, whether that's a TSP or an IRA, then you are only taxed on $35,000 because it comes out pre-tax. Then when you retire, the money that you take out, both your contributions and your your earnings, will be taxed at normal income rate, at whatever your income rate is when you retire. A Roth is the opposite. So a Roth, you pay after tax now. So you, if you earn $40,000 and you put $5,000 into a Roth IRA, then you still pay taxes on $40,000. But then all of your withdrawals in retirement, so that includes your contributions and your earnings, come out tax-free in retirement. So that sounds really awesome. (laughs) And there are a lot of personal finance experts who will tell you that Roth is always better. What I would say is Roth is always easy to understand. It's not always better. If you actually sit down and do the math, sometimes the Roth is going to be better for you. Sometimes traditional is going to be better for you. The really easy way to look at it is, this is going to get a little technical. If you expect your effective tax rate in retirement to be more than your marginal tax rate now, then it's better to go with a Roth IRA. And in the military, that generally tends out, turns out to be the case, right? Because we're getting those promotions, those pay increases every year to three years or no. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! It depends. It depends a lot on the, I think your lifestyle, whether your spouse works, like how right. you file. So, so, you know, if you are somebody who's going to work for forty-five to fifty to sixty years, and you're going to accumulate huge dollars in your retirement account, so that you actually have more of an income in retirement, then Roth is probably better for you. Or if you're going to have low pay in the military, but then you're going to get out and earn a lot of money, then maybe you do a Roth while you're in the military and you switch to traditional when you get out. If you look at somebody like me, though, I am earning the pay of a military officer at 14 years. I'm earning six figures. I don't expect to 
be taking six figures out when I'm retired. My pension, if I earn one, will be worth about $50,000 if I retire right at 20 years. I don't necessarily plan to retire right at 20 years, so it might be higher, but let's let's just say $55,000. And and then let's say I've taken out another 20 for my uh, retirement account. That's $75,000, whereas my taxable pay right now is about $90,000. So my marginal tax bracket right now, I'm in the 22% tax bracket. Yeah. In retirement, I will, or I'm sorry, I'm in the 24% tax bracket in 2018. In retirement, if I had 55000 from a pension and 20000 pulled out from retirement accounts, that only puts me in the 22% tax bracket. So just right off the bat, I'm saving 2% on my marginal rate. Yeah. But you are supposed to be looking at your effective tax rate. So when I actually do the math and I look at the deductions that I would have in retirement and just the way that our, we have a progressive tax system. So the way that the progressive tax system works out, I actually think I'll be paying about 13% effective tax rate wow. in retirement. So I'm saving considerably by taking the money out now and then paying the taxes in retirement. Yeah. But wait, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) There are also tricks that you can use. And again, this is getting very advanced. And so I apologize for everybody that's boring right now. But there are tricks that you can use if on certain years, like so let's say every other day I manage in retirement to get down to the, I think right now it's the 12% tax bracket. If I arrange my money such that every other year I can get down to that, then I can roll it over at the 12% rate instead of the 22% rate and put it into a Roth account so that in in the future, it would come out tax-free. So there's all these different tricks that you can use to constantly wow. be lowering your tax rate and saving money. That being That's said... The, uh, conversion <laughs> ladder? That is doing a conversion ladder, a Roth conversion ladder, exactly. Oh, my um, gosh. You two, that being you said, two are both nerds. <laughs> Sorry, Glenn. You, you have no idea. <laughs> there is one time in the military where it makes sense for almost every single person to use a Roth account, both for TSP and IRA, instead of using a traditional account. And that is when they deploy to a combat zone tax exclusion area. Right. So if you are a military member who's going to be deploying to a CZTE, you will still My want brother. to... Yeah. Most of us right now, right? Because we've been at war for 17 years. If you are going to be doing that, uh, you really want to sit down and run the numbers because if you put money into a Roth account while you are deployed, it goes in tax-free because when you're in a combat zone tax exclusion area, unless you happen to be one of the highest paid members of the military, your pay is totally tax-free while you're there. And then because you put it into a Roth account, it will come out tax-free. Right. So amazing. Yeah, like there's money. A, there's a chance that you will never pay tax on those dollars ever. There are a couple very specific scenarios in which it's still better to use a traditional account while deployed. I have run dozens of scenarios. I've only come across one where somebody actually would have benefited from using a traditional account while deployed. But that's why I recommend to people that at least once a year they sit down and run their numbers for which would be better using Roth or traditional. I personally use both. I have used both throughout my career. I change them up as necessary to maximize my benefit. I also, though, always, even though for me right now, traditional is better, I do always fully fund a Roth IRA instead of a traditional IRA because I'm hedging my bets. 
because Mm -hmm. I can't predict what they're going to do with the tax system in 20 years, much less in two years. Um, So I do have a, a mix of both. Yeah, well, and so we mentioned a couple of times, I think all three of us have, have said it, run the numbers, you know, or, or something to that effect. And so if anybody is listening that's intimidated by that, they can fall back on the advice you gave earlier. Go, go use the military service of talking to a financial planner. You know, if you're going to get ready to deploy, go see a financial advisor, the readiness center, and sit down with them and, and talk to them about those things. And they can help you through that if you're intimidated by looking at your finances on your own. Yes, and the other thing I would say is, there are, I don't have it in front of me right now, so I don't know the total number, but there's probably 15 or 20 military personal finance bloggers right now. And we are all very happy to help when people send us questions. So if you're intimidated by going to the one on base, send us the question. And we have our own little Facebook group where if we don't immediately know the answer, we'll ask the others in the group and we can crowdsource an answer. And we've been able to help a lot of people that way. One of the other bloggers is Doug Nordman. He runs oh, yeah. the blog, The Military Guide. Um, he has been doing this a long time. He has seen every weird niche question you can possibly imagine. So if you have a question about pretty much anything, he can help you. And he gets really nitty gritty. He, he's been fully retired since he left the military about, I think he left 15 or 16 years ago. And he just... He's been retired ever since. So he has a lot of free time and he loves to answer questions. We have military spouses that are finance bloggers. So they are great at answering the questions from that perspective. We have guardsmen. We have reservists. So we can cover the gamut. This is a little off topic, I guess. But what are some of the downsides of being military in the context of retirement planning? And maybe some of the advantages pros and cons of how does military affect retirement planning? Okay, um, that's a really interesting question. So for downsides, this is probably one that people don't really necessarily think about. But if you think about the fact that military members receive a large portion of their compensation via tax-free allowances, so think subsistence and housing, that can actually hurt you in the long run when you are retired. It obviously is amazing right now, so (laughs) I'm not saying it's bad, but think about the fact that you don't pay Social Security taxes on that money. So you might feel like you're earning $50,000 per year right now, but the government is only recording, say, $35,000. So they are only adding to your Social Security based on that lower number. That means that when you're 70 years old, you're going to have a smaller check than if all of your income had been taxed that whole time. So that's kind of a weird one. Another one is if you think about families and specifically civilian spouses, the difficulty civilian spouses have staying employed or at least fully employed while in the military can really hurt with retirement planning because they are not contributing to Social Security if they're not working. They don't have access to a 401k or a TSP if they're not working so they couldn't put money aside. They're obviously earning less if they're not working. So that can be kind of not great. I'm not saying that civilian spouses have to work because obviously that is a choice that every family needs to make for themselves. But if they want to work and they want to be putting money aside for retirement planning, that can really hurt a lot. Another thing, prior to 2018 and the introduction of the blended retirement system, none of us received any TSP contributions from the government. So 
if you have civilian friends that were receiving 401k matches, if you and your civilian friends have been comparing this whole time and they've been receiving a 5% match from their employer yeah. and you haven't, your retirement plan obviously looks a lot smaller. If you end up getting a pension, then that's great because that will offset not having those funds all along. But the reality is that most people in the military do not receive a military pension. They don't stay in long enough to retire from the military. So that can hurt if you're not having that employer contribution to your retirement account. Okay, so that's kind of a bummer. So let's talk about some of the good things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so financial advantages of being military. Number one is if you are one of the active duty, it's 19% uh, guardsmen and reservists, it's I think 14%. If you are one of those people that does retire from the military, you get this amazing pension. Yeah. So much. And, it, and it's not even worth just the dollar amount that is given to you. It's worth so much more because you get the full gamut of retirement benefits. So you get very cheap health care for life. You get travel privileges. You get commissary privileges. You get all these things that are going to help you. So that's You got to make it to 20, though, right? If you make it to 20 or if you get medically retired, which is a bummer. Or if you get early retired, which may or may not be a bummer, depending on how you feel at that time. <laughs> True. But yeah, unless you make it to retirement, you're not going to get that. But if you do, it is pretty much the best pension that still exists. And it's one of the few pensions that still exists because so many companies no longer give a pension to their employees. I'm in a lot of groups that talk about like online forums that talk about pensions. And any time that pensions are brought up, people immediately say, you can't trust your pension. You can't trust your pension. Well, a federal government pension, you probably can. If a yeah. federal government pension has failed, it probably means the United States government has failed. And we have bigger problems at that point than our pension failing. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. The whole like, economy will probably be in the dump. Shambles. <laughs> at that point, you're talking about, you know, hoarding toilet paper. and. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's like oh, hurricane yeah. season down in the South. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Some other advantages. Like I said, the free financial planning, because so much of our compensation is not taxed. If you have two people, one who's military and one who's a civilian, and on paper, they're making the same amount. Yeah. But you have the tax advantage of not having your allowances taxed. If you want, if you are so motivated, you can put all that extra money into your retirement accounts or other savings. Uh, and help build your wealth because you're not turning that money over to the government. So, for instance, in 2017, I calculated out for myself what my tax advantage was by not having to pay taxes on all of my allowances. And it was about $10,000. Now, that's kind wow. of skewed because I lived in a very high cost of living area. My housing allowance was very high and that makes it higher. So let's say nor more normal might be in the realm of like, Four to five thousand dollars, but that's still a lot when you think about it. You can practically fund an IRA in whole just off that tax advantage. That's really cool. Some other things: if you move to a base that's in a state that doesn't charge income tax, switch your citizenship yep, to that that's state, me. and then keep it as you move around the country or around hey, the world. Texas. <laughs> yeah, we just we just did that with Florida, and now that my yeah. spouse claimed Florida as well, we get to both keep it. So. Yes, that's wonderful because again, huge that, advantage. You know, maybe it's only two thousand dollars a year, but that's two thousand dollars a year that you do not have to pay 
that you can then put towards wealth building if you want to. So those are some advantages. And then there's the other things like I actually think our pay is pretty good. Yeah. Especially if you consider the age at which mm, yeah. different ranks earn their pay. I always tell people it is objectively good because we're all middle income or higher. I try to emphasize that there's no such thing as saying that our pay can be subjectively good because I just don't think that you can ever assign a dollar amount to the work that we do. Yeah. Mm. Because there's no dollar amount that makes up for the fact that we miss the birth of our children. Well, maybe not you two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you had to be there. But <laughs> oh, man. But, if I but, couldn't have, though, like if I could have opted out of that. Yeah. Fathers yeah. will miss birth of the children quite often. You know, you miss the death of family members. You miss yeah. important events. Yeah. You miss anniversaries. And then, of course, there's the fact that some of us have to go stand in front of bullets. I just don't think there's a dollar amount that you can say is the right you amount. Just, you just can't put a, a value on on that. It's, it's human life. Yeah. Yeah. So an interesting question, I guess, for you. Maybe we've talked about it, We've hit it a little bit. But what are some of the common pitfalls or distractions that people fall into with this cushy life we have in the military and this great pay and all of our, <laughs> all of our benefits and all this stuff. And what are the pitfalls? I don't want to save for later. What do people get distracted by? Oh man, buying that awesome car tax-free. Oh my gosh, lieutenants. Oh. We're looking at you, lieutenants. <laughs> yeah, we do live a, so financially we might be fairly well taken care of, but we do live a rough life. We have insane hours and we do just crazy things. And so a lot of people, it's very common in the U.S. culture to think, well, I'm going to make up for my hardships by spending money on things that I deserve. Um, and in the military, those things that we deserve tend to be sports cars or trucks and <laughs> really big houses and really nice vacations. So I would say that's the pitfalls is having the mindset of I deserve this mm. because you might deserve it. I personally do not gain happiness by spending money. Everybody has to spend money on the things that they really value. You just need to really think about that. Because definitely when I was a lieutenant, I was spending money on things that I did not care about because all of my friends told me I deserved it. So I have, I'm, I'm sitting in my closet right now because that's good for sound. And I, Yay, closets! <laughs> yes. yes! And I am looking at clothes that I have never worn. I have coach purses that I have never used. Because mm. my friends told me I deserved this thing, but I didn't value it. If I valued it, then I wouldn't have a problem having spent that money. So I value travel and oh. I spend a lot of money on travel and I'm okay with that because it gives me happiness. So just think about the things that really will bring you happiness and only spend on those things. There is this woman named Paula Pant, she runs a very famous blog and podcast called Afford Anything. Her catchphrase is, you can afford anything. You just can't afford everything. Mm. That's what I try to live my life by. As long as I'm keeping in mind the things that really provide me value, I can go ahead and spend on them. I just can't spend money on things that I don't value. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's... Uh... I think that's kind I'm, of an awesome. I'm ingesting. Like, yeah, that's, that is so deep. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... ingesting. <laughs> well, it's, but it's, I mean, it's just so practical, right? And uh, it, it is very easy, I think, to get caught in the I deserve it culture. And it can be very easy with your military community because the military community is so tight. 
say, oh, we should do this or you should do that. I almost bought a four-wheeler when I was a lieutenant because I lived in an area where people went four-wheeling and that's what they did. And that was thousands of dollars and I didn't, but um, it didn't seem like a silly thing at the time. Yeah, iPhones. uh, iPhones were the thing for me because when I was a lieutenant, that's when the iPhone had just come out. Yeah, it goes back to what you said earlier about choosing what you value and thinking long-term. And if long-term... Um, you know, some of the shorter term purchases are impor- purchases are important to you. Then, you know, by all means, as long as you have a plan for them. And exactly. So, what are your, some of your favorite resources or books, things that you might recommend to folks? Blogs, Facebook groups. We'll just leave it at resources because we know that you're well read and you're, you know, well connected. You know, yeah, yeah, engaged uh, online and on social media with a lot of different groups. So we'll leave it at resources and let you pick what you you think are some of the morsels. So for specific to military members, I happen to hang out on Facebook groups a lot. Uh, Different people don't like Facebook as much, but it's just easy for me to be there. So my two favorite Facebook groups for military members are a group called Military FIRE. So FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And then one called Choose Fi Military. The Fi in Choose Fi means Financial Independence. Um, I really like those groups. Those are limited to military members, so you have to get approval to to be in those groups? They are limited to military members, military spouses, and then on occasion, if we have a specific reason to let in, like a retiree, then we'll let them in. For instance, uh, Choose Fi Military is run by Doug Nordman, and then Military Fire has Doug Nordman as a member because, of course, he's like the godfather of military (laughs) early retirees so they let him in there and then for podcasts for military there's one called the military wallet that i really like unfortunately there's not a lot of new current going on there because he's had a lot of life changes he recently became an officer so went from an officer so he's kind of busy right now um (laughs) but there's a huge backlog that you can listen through and then there's a new military podcast called The Military Money Movement. I think it's the name of it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that one. For blogs, obviously, militarydollar.com mm-hmm. uh, is good. Doug Nordman's blog, The Military Guide, is the-military-guide.com. And then I'll drop you guys a link to my flyer that has a ton of other resources listed for military. Awesome. And then for general personal finance, I like the main Choose By Facebook group. I like Reddit. Um, I don't actually post on Reddit, but the Reddit personal finance community is huge, and you can find answers to every question you have ever thought of there. (laughs) And then for anybody looking for new blogs, there is a website called Rockstar Finance, and it has a directory of pretty much every personal finance blog that exists. And... You can search through there to look for, for instance, I want a blog that focuses on military finance that's written by a woman and that's current. And you would find me. So you can you can kind of sort through, you can filter it based on the kind of information that you want. And then if you don't want to sort through and you just kind of want to randomly look at blogs, they also have a feed that's constantly updating with new blog posts. So it's really awesome to find new blogs that you might enjoy. So everybody has somebody that will speak to them. Uh, so that's where I go to find people that speak to me. Awesome. 
Well, as we wrap up, I just want to say thanks for being on our show. But, yes, um, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being on our show and entertaining us. But, you know, I think I, I messaged you, you know, maybe a year ago or something like that, just randomly before we were doing podcast things before or whatever, because just really your uh, passion for military finance and willingness to put what you learn out there for others is just it was an impetus for me to dive deeper into my finances and my husband and I to get more engaged in that. And it has been, it has been awesome. Like it has been so good for us as a couple and a good for our, our financial future. So, uh, thanks for, for that as well. Just, I'm just in awe. I'm just in awe. Like, <laughs> and so we're just really, really grateful. I did the same thing. Like about a year ago after Mill Dollar started her blog, I was like, wow, this is a really great resource. Thanks. Thank you so much for starting this. So well, you, there. you guys can't see me right now, but I'm blushing. Um, <laughs> so thank you. That's why I do it. That's why I put all of the hours into it, because it's just really good to hear people that are confident in their finances, because if you can get that figured out, then it's weird how the rest of your life often just kind of falls into place because you don't have this worry over your head. So I'm, yeah. that's why I do it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks again for, for joining us on the podcast and, and for the great conversation. It was, is really our pleasure. Oh, and Thank we, you. we still have financial independence as a separate conversation. Yes. And we're going to make everybody in the military be financially independent and they're going to rock their lives. Yeah, I think we'll get even nerdier in that conversation. Yeah. It'll be where we can go deep. Yeah. Great. Can't wait. Awesome. Well, well, thanks. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Bella Said Bellum podcast. You can find notes or resources related to this topic on our social media community. Check us out, like, follow, or subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bellus at Bellum. Join us for our next episode. And in the meantime, let us to the battle. We take great care to seek out subject matter experts who are knowledgeable and experienced in their fields to be guests. However, everyone's military experience is unique, and the views of our guests and our hosts do not necessarily reflect an official or acknowledged Department of Defense, United States Air Force, or other government agency position, view, or policy. Content is provided for informational purposes only, and we make no claim as representation of official sources.